Welcome to the 27th Degree with Chris and Nancy. So this is episode 55. This will be Human Trafficking with Hassan Suto and Kayla Machado. Um, we've had uh, Hassan and Kayla here before. They did a great job, and we wanted to have them back in the new studio so we could discuss human trafficking again, such an important topic. But... Um, before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor, Bay Coast Bank. Bay Coast Bank is just right for all of your financial needs. Visit baycoast.bank or call 508-678-7641 to learn more. As always, you can support the 27th Degree with Chris and Nancy by signing up as a patron. Go to patron.podbean.com slash the 27th Degree, or you can click on the link on our Facebook page. $5 a month gets you a shout out, exclusive content, and sneak peeks to upcoming shows. You can find the 27th Degree across social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. You can also subscribe to the 27 Degrees Consulting channel on YouTube. So let's uh, talk a little bit about, let, tell me a little you know, about yourselves. You know, before, with that. before mm -hmm. we, we do start with Hassan <laughs> and, and Kayla, and again, thank you for joining us. Um, I just did want to say that we have done a human trafficking podcast in mm -hmm. the past during kind of the height of COVID. I think some of our viewers will, will remember that at that point we had some issues with sound right, um, right, with right. Derek and Michelle Belong, who were gracious enough um, to, to talk to us about this very important topic. So we had a couple of uh, requests to redo the podcast. And since you guys are so active mm -hmm. on the task force and what have you, we're so delighted to have you again as guests to to talk about this. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Absolutely. Sure. So tell so, us a little bit about your background, and uh, we can start Hassan with yourself. Yeah. So um, I've been a social worker now for about twenty years. I'm a licensed social worker, and I primarily focus on marginalized groups um, and at-risk youth and victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and other types of violence in my community. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's excellent. In yourself. I'm, I'm Kayla. I'm coming up on my one year now. Um, I actually, one of my first events was here with you guys in the podcast. And um, so I'm coming up on that one year with the Women's Center now. I'm part of the Education and Outreach Department with Hassan. And I'm also a counselor. So Great. You know, so, it seems like a trend. And maybe for like your next, your second year anniversary, we should make sure we have you yeah, again. I'd love to Sign come back. Up. We love being here. <laughs> It's always great to have you back. I mean, last time we had such a great discussion about uh, domestic violence when you were on the show, and we touched a little bit maybe on human, traffic, human trafficking, but we really wanted to delve into this um, a little deeper. And as Nancy had mentioned, we had had a, a podcast in the past on this, and it was such useful information, but we had a lot of technical issues at that mm. point. It was COVID, and we were doing it remotely and right. all. So yeah. we felt it was really important to redo this one because it, this is information that everyone needs to know about. So I maybe mean, we can just start with just a, a, a definition of human trafficking, what it is, and, and how large the scope of the problem is. Um, so let's do the legal definitions. Human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to get another person to provide labor or commercial sex. Worldwide experts believe there are more situations of labor, tra labor trafficking than of sex trafficking but there is much wider awareness of sex trafficking in the U.S. than of labor trafficking. And 
I feel for Kayla and I, we as um, we work at the Women's Center, a domestic violence and sexual assault agency, we were invited to join the Great New Bedford Human Trafficking Task Force. That task force has been around since I want to say about 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, I joined about three years ago and Kayla joined last year. And that really made us aware that this is something that actually is happening in our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hassan, can we talk about both types of trafficking? Because like you said, so many people are aware of the sex trafficking, yep. but it, what is labor trafficking? Yep. So I think the best way for people to compartmentalize and try to really digest what human trafficking is, is to think of human trafficking as um, the overhead. And then the two branches would be sex trafficking and labor trafficking. That's okay. a good way to think about yeah. it. So, it so it's of, like the umbrella. It is. Yeah. It comes down to two different types. Yep. So, you know, the Human Trafficking Task Force that we work with, we work with victims of labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So what's what's the like the mission, if you will, of the, of the task force? What are you trying to accomplish? So we have a pretty lofty goal. Um, a few years ago, uh, the federal government got, uh, I don't want to, I hope my numbers are wrong, but about 94 of um, uh, U.S. Congress people to get together and federally fund Human Trafficking Task Force, nice. but to make sure that they will locally run task force. Okay. Um, and part of the New Bedford uh, tra- Task Force is we also provide trainings, and it's a multidisciplinary team. So you have people like Kayla and myself who can help a victim get into counseling, maybe help them find a shelter. And then we have people on the force who, who are literally work for um, uh, Homeland Security uh, right. and other officials like that who are actually the agents out there doing the physical work and we're more to help victims um, get stabilized. We've uh, helped people get U visas and help them get work and things like that because nice. we try not to, when I say we, the goal isn't to deport some of these victims, it's to help stabilize them. Mm-hmm. So now, let me let me ask you, sorry, Nancy, uh, but just as far as the scope of the issue, do you have, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have numbers that give us a sense in the United States how big of an issue this is? Yeah, I do have numbers. And one thing I will say is every time I get asked to talk about human trafficking, Kayla and I, it's not... The information is not as prevalent as you think it would be Mm. um, online, sadly. But I can tell you that we've had about 81 cases Mm -hmm. of um, human trafficking in Massachusetts, but nationally almost 11,000 for the the last year. That we know of. That 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 we know of. That we know of. That's a year. Yeah. So when I say, so for 2020, 10,583 situations of human trafficking. But when you hear that number, it's important to remember that of that number, um, I want to say 0.4% of mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it was 0.4. Yeah. So we're not even getting the vast majority of them. So we're hearing about 11,000, but it's most likely four or five times that number. Wow. Based on emerging research. Mm. Okay. And now, Go ahead. <laughs> we're going to alternate questions. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We have to keep ourselves in check. When you say you're the greater New Bedford, like suppose someone's in Fall River, that's like, can they go to New Bedford and, and search you out? Yeah, like absolutely. what kind of area do you cover? So the all the human trafficking task force all around the nation, we all utilize the same hotline number, the, okay. the National Human Trafficking Hotline number, which I could um, provide for you. It's 1-888-373-7888. So we... You know, we Fall River doesn't have a human trafficking task force, but anybody's welcome to give a tip. 
Okay. And what what it goes with this is we had um you know I worked at DCF so a lot of people remember me from there so sometimes I get a phone call that somebody suspects human trafficking or sex trafficking and they're not sure I always tell them to to call this number and do a tip because I've had a lot of situations in the last year where somebody thought there was sex trafficking or human trafficking mm-hmm. going on you know I talked to uh, the sergeant that I that I um, that I work with who's on the task force and then a few times we found out there wasn't sex trafficking but there was other stuff going on. Mm. So just okay. like when you think of, you know, um, calling uh, DCF because there's suspicion of neglect right. or abuse, even suspicions enough to call mm-hmm. this number. So this is a number that if someone had a suspicion they could call or if someone was a victim and they had the opportunity Definitely. to call, they could That's call important. Too. That's important to note that that number is for victims as well. Okay. So it's 1-888-373-7888. Eight. Eight. Yep. Okay. I was trying to read. It's a yeah. little far away from me, but that's good. All right. Great. We can post that number later on. I'm I'm curious about how someone becomes a victim of human trafficking. Do you can you give us a sense of how that occurs? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a few risk factors, but the biggest risk factor is um, homeless youth. Okay. LGBTQ okay. youth who've been kicked out of their home. Um, and then it goes to substance abuse, socioeconomic issues. But Kayla was actually telling me not even an hour ago that when uh, a child runs away within, what was it? It was 48 hours. They'll probably fall victim or not victim to, but victim to prostitution within 48 hours of leaving the home. Really? Wow. Yep. That's an what amazing, are, what's the common scary age statistic. When you're talking about this? I would say the common age for runaways, it starts as young as 13. Yep. Sometimes younger. Yep. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, so I would say runaways. And then I would say the greater majority, probably one third, are comprised of um, children who've been in the foster care system. Yes. Yeah. And that 40 That haven't run away, that are, are, are still the system. in the system. It's prevalent so, to all these people. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a picture of this. So there are basically predators out there that are really looking for these types of victims. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really honing in on, um, you know, youths that have left their home. They run away, people who are socioeconomically in difficult situations. Um, they really prey on them, it sounds like. They prey on them because they can make roughly $150,000 a year per kid. Wow. Unbelievable. So how do I know? The average pimp has about four to six prostitutes. I don't really like using that word prostitute because if you're under 18, it's not prostitution. It's not prostitution. It's commercial right. sexual exploitation of a child. Mm-hmm. Right. But okay. back in the day, like in the, the 90s and stuff, it would have been considered prostitution. Well, it's, it's a term most people can yeah. relate to. So right. it's probably reasonable to use. So how, uh, like, am I noticing something and what are the signs I'm looking for? The things that I saw, and I don't find this to be like the most helpful information, but like malnourishment, you know, mistreatment, obviously that's, but they're not going to be taking them in public visibly to people. So I found that those tips weren't very helpful because it can be going on in a store that you're in and you have no idea right right, right. right below you under your nose. And right. that's very realistic. So. And we've probably all run into victims of oh, trafficking and never really have been aware that we have. Absolutely. But, yeah. And you've most likely, everyone in this room, have absolutely been around people who are being labor trafficked. Oh, yes. At restaurants, Probably even more so, right? Retail, beauty mm-hmm. parlors, stuff like that. So right. what does one, that look like? Well, the, the main one is domestic work. Mm. And then the second one is retail, restaurants, things like that. It can look like somebody coming in from another country to provide for their family. And maybe somebody who's labor trafficking this person offers them a job at their restaurant. So okay. I'm going to give you a job at my restaurant. I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars a, a week. 
and I'm going to provide a room for you mm -hmm. and a little cell phone, and then I'll take this much out of your check. And then it ends up being that this person can never get out of that debt, and they end up being labor trafficked. So and that's a better situation because the person's actually getting paid. But so, it ends up for a lot of these people that they're just completely stuck here. They get cut yeah. off from their family. Mm. These people who labor traffic them will take their passport. And sort oh, wow. of hold it against them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they're coming from another country where they have limited resources. They're promised something mm -hmm. in the United States. Yep. It probably happens in other countries too, I'm guessing. Absolutely. 100%. They yep. come over to the United States. They promised a job, a place to live. And then once they get there, here, they realize that that's not as it was described. Correct. They're not getting enough income to break out of that situation. Maybe their passport's being held. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they were told they were going to work 40 hours a week yeah. and they're working 80. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, they basically are brought into slavery. Yes, 100%. Modern slavery. Yeah. So Kayla, how do you, how do you make a dent with that? <laughs> I mean, like if I go into a restaurant and I see a 12-year-old, I'm thinking it's the owner's son. Me too. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, I'm not, there's yep. no thing. I see that all the time. Yeah. I go right. to restaurants. Right. And, I'm like, oh, how nice, little mom and pop. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you think that, but you don't That's know. What I still that think. may not even mm -hmm. be the case, right? 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 So like, how are we making any kind of dent in like in the the labor force? I say that's really it's a really hard grasp to understand, you know, because and again, they're not coming forward for help. A lot of them because right. they're scared. Right. They don't know where to go with it. They're they're illegal. They can't tell anybody. Hey, I you know came here illegally and mm -hmm. I was promised this much money and this much you know a life and. Now they're not giving me that money, but I'm still here illegally. They're scared. They don't know where to go. They have nowhere to turn to. They're going to be deported again or worse, you know? Are they going to be deported, though? It, it depends. So the situation I talked about earlier, um, it's a case that I can't talk too much about, but okay. I can tell you that there was a situation in Massachusetts of uh, some females who were being sex trafficked, and um, the force helped them get their U visas to stay here. Nice. Okay. So now with the, can you talk a little bit about the task force and maybe highlight some things that happened maybe last year that you were like, yes, finally, you know, like this happened or it had an impact or we saw this while yeah. you're smiling. Um, as, again, it's a case I can't talk about, but oh. I will say that there was a case in New Bedford. I'll, I'll just be as very okay. vague as I can. It was a very horrific case. Um, it sounded like you know, this was actually in the last two years. It sounded like something out of a movie. And one day maybe it'll be public and I can come back and talk to you about it more. Mm -hmm. But it was members of our Human Trafficking Task Force who saved those victims and made sure that they weren't deported. Or if they wanted to go back home, we assisted them with that. But they came here because they were seeking opportunities. You know, they were following maybe the American dream or maybe they wanted to send money back to their respective countries. So that's mm -hmm. what inspires me on the Human Trafficking Task Force because... I would have never known that three miles from my home, this was happening. I mean, it's all really hidden, isn't it? I mean, it's it's hard to know that it's out there. Yes. It's amazing that this is occurring. And this was society. at a place that we all drive like I by said, all exactly, the time. You could be in a building and not even know it. And it's just going right on, on, on underneath your nose. You She's know? absolutely right. Yeah. So now what kind of training do you do for professionals? Like I know like in the hospital, like for instance, as an example, if someone comes into the ER, there may be certain screening questions. Mm -hmm. But what can you talk about that type yes. of training with professionals, yep. but also um, the behaviors of the predators and, mm -hmm. you know, are what does that look like? Yep. You know, 
Yeah, absolutely. So there are certain indicators that you want to look for if you are have any idea that your child or or somebody that you know that's a youth may be um, being com- uh, commercially sexually exploited. Maybe all of a sudden they are more sexualized. Maybe all of a sudden they're dressed in more provocative. Maybe all of a sudden they have bruises. Maybe all of a sudden they've lost weight. Maybe all of a sudden they have a, a Louis Vuitton bag or, mm-hmm. or a cell phone. And Kayla was right earlier when she said those tips aren't the greatest because some of those things I said can happen, right. you know, uh, for arbitrary amount right. of reasons. But of it's sort of like you're sort of looking for um, a pattern. A pattern, exactly, a pattern. Like, you know, somebody who maybe wasn't dressing like this, dresses like that. And I think it gets really complicated because when you're a teenager and you're going through puberty, and especially right. with Generation Z, it's all about expressing yourself and mm-hmm. taking empowerment. So sure. we don't want to lead people down the wrong path. But if you have a suspicion, those are some things that you might look for in a child, like a stark change. Those are the more insidious ones, but uh, if they're homeless or on the street or they ran away because of uh, because they're being abused at home or they're LGBTQ, like Kayla said, within 48 hours they are being a- approached for sure and offered a place to stay. They're a an hot easy meal. target. Yeah. So it, it starts off there. Someone try they're approaching them as a benefactor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to help you mm-hmm. out, but obviously there's an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some of these kids really don't have a lot of resources or, you know, are they don't understand what's really going on until they're too far into it, it sounds like. Yeah, it does, because um, we, we there was a situation where My Life, My Choice, an agency um, in Boston that was started about 20 years ago because a 15-year-old girl mm. who was living in a DCF group home under their nose was being sex trafficked. Yeah. And her abuser beheaded her and threw her um, in a dump. And um, you can look all this up on My Life, My Choice. And they started this organization. And I've learned a lot with them. I've done trainings with them. And they've really taught me a lot about how boys are victims too. Yeah, It's much, much less prevalent with boys, but like LGBTQ and things like yeah. that. So you picture, I don't know, you're 12, you're 13, your parents won't accept you for whatever reason. You run away. Now it's cold. You're at a, a bus station mm-hmm. and somebody approaches you like, do you need a ride? Because a lot of these pimps, they're very charming. Right. They're not what we think of when we think of like that 1970s movie, you know, somebody's like, right. you want to come in the car, you want to, hey, let's go get McDonald's. It starts yeah. off um, very insidious because it's grooming. Yeah. And it's hard to say no to that if you're out in the cold. And So they're probably these, these people who are looking for, uh, to exploit children mm-hmm. or or whatnot. They're probably hanging out at bus stations Absolutely. and malls. Like malls, yep. okay. Places yep. like that. I've seen lots like of lots of um, posts, and I was going to say too. It it goes down to it's a lot of women telling women right now. It's a lot of public sharing, and yeah. Facebook has been able to get a lot of the words out there. I've seen so many posts, so many, so many posts. There's a ton out there of I local, mean, I, I, local Dartmouth, yeah. Wareham, yeah, specifically Dartmouth, like the Target, the TJ Maxx. I've seen so many scary posts. Men, we have to get this out here because yeah. men know, coming so out, multiple women going to store managers to yep. tell them, "Hey, there's this creepy man following me." Um, it's the same man that they're all complaining about. Then they suddenly notice there's, there's multiple men and mm. they get escorted out to their car. All these different females that have now yeah. been yeah. reporting the same issue, the same suspicions. And she, this specific woman who made this post gets back to her car. She sees a brand new, like 15 passenger van, something crazy like that. And men come out of the store all with earpieces in and get in the car and leave. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. That's scary. Very, really very scary. Frightening. Especially as a woman. And if you want to go shopping by yourself and with yeah. your kids, yeah, I've seen a lot on social media about, um, 
you know, how you know you're being targeted. And I don't know how realistic or true this is. You can probably tell us, tell mm-hmm. us, you know, people putting little uh, like zip ties mm-hmm. on car doors and things like air that. Tags. Yeah. Air tags, um, air tags now too. Air tags. There's been a, a few different things that were trending online. And I think that um, some of the situations that were shared might not have been human trafficking, mm-hmm. but I'm still here for it being a conversation. Mm. I'm still here for people having situational awareness. Right. Absolutely. Um, very... Before I joined the Human Trafficking Task Force, I had a friend who, and this was what really inspired me to do this. She called me from Target because she felt like somebody was following her. And I'll never forget, I like brushed it off. Mm-hmm. Sure. And she, we talked later, she was absolutely terrified and not even two or three days later it was going around on facebook that Mm -hmm. this had happened to some other females at this target um Mm. down near the cape and their managers started walking them out at night so again i don't know what that situation was because it never manifested um on the news or anything like that but she felt unsafe and it was happening to people so after that um, I don't know, it just kind of made me think, wow, I, I should have done better because I'm like, you're a target, you're fine. Like, you know, the sun's still out, but she felt unsafe because somebody was following her around. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a really important point too, right? Like everyone says, check in with your gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you if you feel like something's up, like trust your instincts, yep. you know, and, mm-hmm. and if you feel unsafe, just get out of it. I read something I don't know if I was reading like one of those serial killer books or whatever. And and he made a point of. It was your of, autobiography. You, were it was <laughs> you would have been a victim. <laughs> so, so anyways, he made a point of saying what what made it easier for him was that people don't want to be rude and like yeah. kind of say, True. you know, what are you doing or anything like they they have uh, they they literally don't want to be rude. And he played on that like all the time. That is you that's know? a funny point because, you know, I have friends sometimes that they're just so rude to men when they come. And and, and I'm kind of like, well, you know, that wasn't really necessary. But then I think about it and I'm like, well, I don't yeah. have to be nice to everybody either. And right. for that reason, because they will take your niceness as a weakness, 100 percent. Right. Now, is there a certain um, profile these predators are looking for? Like, I know you talked about the vulnerable populations, but what's like if I'm a predator, I'm like, like oh, yeah, easy mark. Or... Both. I, I would say think... alone with children, constantly on your phone, not paying attention to your surroundings. Maybe like everyone I saw. Well, yeah. But when you're out in public, you know, if, if I'm shopping, I try to now make it a point where I'm aware, I'm, I'm turning, I'm looking, I'm seeing yeah. who's behind me if I've seen this person multiple times. I even sometimes think maybe this person's starting to think I'm following them because <laughs> they will use women as well to approach victims. Yeah, I've heard oh. that. They will use women and women are obviously more welcoming because yes. you feel comfortable with another woman versus another strange man approaching you. And the women that they're using are probably, I'm thinking, tell me if I'm wrong, these are women who have been brought into um, human trafficking and Mm -hmm. now they're being used to find more victims. And unfortunately, it's a promotion to them mm-hmm. okay. because they don't have the freedom. They're, you know, again, they might be having their their their, their lives threatened, their family's life threatened. They may be um, now dependent on this 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 pimp mm-hmm. who's having controlling them. Having their kids held from them. Having their kids held from them. And it's a promotion to them to be a recruiter. And wow. based on emergent research, it usually is a female. Yeah. But Nancy, just to get back to your question, um, it's a, it's a lot of what Kayla said, but as far as what what they're they're looking for, their their number one target is definitely going to be somebody who's cut off from their family. Yeah, for sure. The more they're cut off from their family, the better. Somebody who's a loner, 
you know, somebody who's vulnerable, somebody who doesn't have a much of a voice. You know, you might find somebody who ran away and they may prey on them and it might not work. Maybe this person knows better. Maybe they've been a little bit educated on the situation. Maybe um, they have a better support system. Mm. But if they're somebody who has low self-esteem, depression, those are all indicators that I've researched. That's like their number one target because you have to have somebody that you can control. Do these people establish a relationship bef- with with someone before they go in for the, you know, to market you? So you're just- talking about the grooming phase? Yeah. So is like, that common? Is that the most common thing? Is is there a grooming phase? So or it depends just... on what population is being targeted. So if we're okay. talking about homeless kids, kids at a bus station, kids at a mall, things like that, um, these people, the the predators, they know that they need uh, probably something to eat, some clothes, things like that, something shelter, things like right. that. If it's somebody who's not in a situation like that, yes, there's a lot of grooming, <laughs> a lot of texting. They're using online now more than ever, especially. Um, post-pandemic to, to groom, you know, and unfortunately they, they become professionals at grooming children to trust them. And like, do they ever just grab someone without the whole grooming process, throw them in a van and then bring them back to some central place? I'd I'd have to say that that probably does happen. Mm -hmm. That probably does happen, but this more of what, what I've seen is the grooming process. Yeah. And that's, that's really sickening. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Can I, I want to jump ahead a little bit. This is really a horrible question, but if if someone is brought into human trafficking and there's not an intervention from a group like yours, what is the usual end for them? What happens? You know, what can we expect will be the outcome? Uh, addiction and death. Yeah, that's what I figured. I yeah. just wanted to hear. No, it's a great question to ask because people, we, you know, we want to have a dialogue about it, but the outcomes are so poor for them because let's say we have somebody who, you know, we, we, we put them in a home and we do all this for them. They're going to have trauma depression. Mm. Um, obviously they need to get screened to make sure that they're, they're, they're healthy mm-hmm, still, sure. because a lot of times, um, the, the pimps, they do get them hooked on a drug because yeah. it's easier to control somebody. So that's part of the process, are, right? You are controlling their, yeah. They're doing that so they can control them yep. basically. Yep. Mm. When you talked about kids in foster homes, what's the double check and, on <laughs> the overwhelmed system is that? It is. That situ- this whole situation of my life, my choice. Yeah, it was 20 years ago, but that was sickening. And I'm not blaming anybody, but this this girl was in DCF care. She lived in their DCF group home and she'd been right. being you know, sex trafficked for a very long time before she was murdered. So I'm really ha- happy to have the organization, but I don't know how to answer that question because if they're in foster care, and I, I can tell you because I did work in foster care, I licensed homes for DEC all, all throughout Massachusetts. Um, uh, the last few years we were having was called the foster care crisis, meaning mm-hmm. we couldn't get and probably still can't get enough foster homes. So that whole industry is is already really top heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know how that would work. <laughs> so More education, more awareness, maybe. Raising awareness. Yeah. Primacare is southeastern New England's trusted leader in medical care. With offices in Fall River and surrounding communities, we're dedicated to your well-being. Our carefully selected team of more than 150 providers offers world-class primary and specialty medical care. Primacare doctors are supported by a skilled staff trained to deliver comprehensive radiology, imaging, and testing services. Primacare is large enough to take care of all your medical needs, but small enough to care for you personally. Primacare is by your side. So as as me as like 
little middle-aged housewife neighbor. <laughs> like I'm, you know, I I may not the red flags may not go up in my mind. Yeah. Like I we had talked about the restaurant scenario right. and everything else. But with other professionals who are in key positions, I'm thinking teachers, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, our healthcare teams that can maybe spot something that have the screening tools necessary. Is there training available? And is that part of what the Women's Center does? My biggest message, and I've been saying this post-pandemic, is anybody who's a mandated reporter, they have to take their role more serious Mm post-pandemic than they did ever because because of people working virtually and hybrid, we're not getting eyes on people. I can tell you as a former employee of DCF that um, almost 80% of the referrals came from teachers, Mm. but they can't report what they can't see. Mm -hmm. So one, I would say if you're a mandated reporter, take that role more serious than you would before. Um, But the Great New Bedford Human Trafficking Task Force does provide trainings. I'm the training coordinator. (laughs) Um, Bunch of free trainings. The CAC, Child Advocacy Center in Fall River, they do an incredible, incredible training around uh, commercial sexual exploitation of children. And all these trainings are free. Mm. I mean, I know that... um in the medical field, there's there's education and training that takes place now, but I know that also 20 years ago, it wasn't really even on the radar for anyone. That's true. You know, and it wasn't taught in medical school, but um, now there is a lot out there. But but still, it's so hard to really recognize. It is hard to you know? recognize. And what I worry about, thinking about this, when you started to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the uh, reasons that people end up in this situation, I worry about, you know, Economically, we're really headed as a country into um, a more difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be more people that could be exploited because of that. That's very concerning, really actually. Point, I think that they're making a lot of money off of the industry, and it's going to continue to grow. What was the number that we found? Wasn't oh. it 150 billion? Yes. What? 150 billion. 150 billion. That's how much human money? trafficking earns global profits of roughly 150 billion mm-hmm. a year for traffickers. Oh 99 God. billion oh, of which comes from commercial sexual exploitation. And you have to keep in mind that a commercial sexual exploit the ex- exploitation. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> Goodness me, I thought I worked these all out before. Um, you know, it's a market-driven criminal industry. So those who are paying for the commercial sex are who are driving the forces. You know. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I, I think it, I've got to think it's got to be difficult for the police to crack down on some of this. I mean, you think about like, um, you know, organized crime or whatnot, how difficult that was to really crack down on and still is. But then you have like, you know, you have these big groups that are working together, networks. And this this seems like it's more pockets, right? I agree. Mm-hmm. So it must be harder to really find these folks that are involved it really is yeah so i'm, I'm hoping sense. no you're absolutely right chris and I'm, I'm hoping that the trend goes toward more and more police departments creating a task force or mm. a, a committee something around that to raise awareness because again if it wasn't for us joining the human trafficking task force i wouldn't be sitting here right now and um since i've joined i've done probably a dozen seminars trainings um worked with my life my choice worked with victims mm-hmm. done trainings with victims so survivors rather so that they could speak about yes. it and all that awareness i think is is helped and like kayla was saying about facebook i'm happy people are having conversations about it but you mentioned earlier about a dent i agree i, I feel like it would be tough to put a dent in because it's so massive mm-hmm. and it's been going on for i don't think people understand how massive this problem is i don't is. think they well, do either 
I think that that's yeah. why it's important that they're sharing. I'm sorry not to cut you off. No, please. But I think that's why it's important to see it because people don't think it's prevalent where you are. Oh, that'll right. never happen to me. Oh, you know, that's not going to happen around here. Well, it's not going to happen oh, in my, it won't happen in my community. Right, exactly. Happen, and it happens all the time. You know, in a different area. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Not my neighborhood. Exactly. And going back to the human trafficking, I think it's great that they were able to make it local communities that are forcing their own task force because that's huge. It's so important. Mm -hmm. You can't have the government coming in and, and going into these areas 100%. and not knowing what's really going right. on. And it's important to have people who are in the city every day mm. who see what's happening and that they actually want to make a change. And it's coming from the federal level, which shows that they are taking it serious. Right. Mm. And I think if I know there's resources local, I'm already feeling more comfortable. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not like calling up the government, not knowing if I'm going to get in trouble. Right, exactly. And all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like... That's intimidating. Calling you. Mm. Yeah. You know, so it's... Right. You know, it's more comforting. You. It's more... It's well, easier. Yeah. You know, you want to call somebody that you know right. it, you're going to get... You're familiar with. You know, it's like something... Closer to you than and it sounds like a lot so of local police departments are aware now. They which are. Is, which is good. Yep. Uh, thanks to, you know, efforts from groups like yourself. Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking, you know, when you're like the training and the training, I just um, renewed for my nursing license and they had mandatory training on there and yeah. it was domestic violence, yeah. which is great. The but, little 10 minute one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, had to do that, that too for my license. Right. Yeah. Right. But you, you could know, do it with your eyes closed. Well, you're wicked smart because I, I needed to read stuff. And, I'm, you know. I don't believe that. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it with my eyes closed. I would have gotten a 90 instead of 100. So, Shit. Anyways, oh, my gosh. But um, so, it, I mean, that would be a great platform for human trafficking, you know, once the domestic violence piece, you know, because yeah. that's all everyone who has to renew their license. They, yeah, I couldn't you know? renew my license without taking right. that. I couldn't. That's true. Right, mm -hmm. right. So that would just be like a, a huh. mandatory training that. That's boom. a great idea. It's interesting. Yeah. I just had to redo my, my license for Board of Medicine and there was yeah. a whole section on, on dementia and Alzheimer's that you yeah. have to do. But yeah. there was no mandatory education on this, right. which there should be. Yeah. You know? It, I think so. It really should be. Especially for pediatricians who right. you know, yeah. work with individuals under 18. I mean, and then you capture everyone. And, like, yeah, and you right. know, it's a mandatory exactly. piece. Because I think right now the ER gets a lot of uh, education. I think on they do. I think, I, I think they have an awareness. They have an awareness. I don't know how much. Maybe not. I don't know how much education. Structured but they have education. An awareness. But they have a screening tool. They have the awareness. But it needs to go throughout the whole medical field, mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah. Kayla and I were Definitely. lucky enough this week, last week, to do a training at St. Luke's Hospital for our about uh, two dozen sane nurses. Mm -hmm. Nice. We're happy to do that. Um, we it was we only had 15 minutes to do a training, but we were so happy to be there because it was eight to four training. Yeah. Um, and they'd like us to go back next year, but I couldn't agree more that providing these trainings, and I always emphasize that they're free um, because, you know, if you have to get CEUs or if you, you know, uh, it's not something that's mandatory for you to do. You might right. not be so apt to do it, but if it's a free training and it can expand your knowledge, maybe you're more likely to do it. All right. So tell our audience, if you don't mind, what are they looking for? What can they, what, what are they going to see that's going to clue them in that this is going on and they should yeah. blow the whistle or call someone? Yep. So I would say um, the, the biggest thing is for your own children um, who are, who are in that teenage, mm -hmm. even if they're not kicked out and homeless to just look at anything that would that seems very suspicious and think that there might be more to it. Okay. You know, we all know how much an iPhone costs. So if all of a sudden a sure. kid comes home with an iPhone, right. maybe maybe they got it from a friend. Who knows? Right. But things like that, those are some indicators. And if you have somebody in your neighborhood or even a relative and you your gut instinct is telling you something's off, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
oh, somebody's going through puberty or, you know, they're not acting like themselves. You know, they have a mysterious bruise and say they yeah. fell or okay. maybe they're dressing more provocatively. Right. Maybe they're being more sexualized. Right. Um, maybe they're more withdrawn. These are some of the indicators. And like Kayla said, they're not great. No. Um, but those are some of the things that, to look for. And I would contact that number um, with just suspicion. Okay. So, so that... So that makes perfect sense. What I'm wondering, though, also mm -hmm. is I'm in a store. I'm in Target. It's not my family member. I just see something that I wonder about. What, yeah. what would I be looking for that would raise a suspicion so that I would call that number? That's so tough. That oh, is that's tough. That's a tough question. Well, do you want to? You want I can, to take this I can one? take a stab okay, at it. So I would compare it to like, okay, so you're in the you're in a store and you see an infant obviously throwing a tantrum. Like you wouldn't necessarily think anything of it. It's just an infant expressing their emotions. They're upset about something. But if it's a child that, you know, this person isn't letting them, you know, far out of their reach, they're not letting them communicate, look at, do anything like that, that would be one indicator. You know, mm -hmm. this child does not want to be with this person. Okay. Obviously, they're looking to control that child and they're just trying to get in and out with that kid. I would say that that's one way. Yep. With children, at least. Um, I don't know. I can't really think of anything about so for So my best advice for that question, which I got more with child abuse yeah. than mm -hmm. sex trafficking, is go tell the manager. Yeah. You know, it might be a lot to record that person. I wouldn't do that. And it might be too much, right, Nancy, to go up to this person and put yourself at jeopardy. Yep. But if you see something and you feel concerned, uh, why not just go to the manager, let them know what you see, and now it's on them to do something about it yeah. so you don't leave there feeling like you did nothing. So you're better off to err on the side of caution. I really, right. yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, if you're comfortable, what's the worst going to happen? Yep. You're going to, you know, maybe feel embarrassed, but you might save a life. You might save hand. a life. Like the, the, you know, the last person I gave this number to ended up following up with me and um, there was a child at danger. They weren't yeah. being sex trafficked, but she ended up really helping uh a group of girls, actually. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I would say. Don't put yourself in harm's way, but to tell the manager. Yeah. yeah. And God forbid you're recording them and they catch you and then they take yeah. off. Or you confront them yeah. and they wait for you in the parking lot or something like right. that because right. we want to encourage people, Kayla and I, to help, but we also want to encourage people to also be safe. Yes. Enough situational awareness. You know what? This is another, I'm, it's a kind of a dark thought I'm thinking, but I'm just thinking about the natural history of all this. Is mm. I mean, there seems like a lot of kids are brought into this younger, mm -hmm. you know, adolescents and whatnot. And like you said, often this ends in, you know, either death or addiction, but it's almost like there's a shelf life to yep. these people. So yep. like when they get to a certain age, do they outlive their usefulness to the human trafficker? And then what happens to them? hundred percent. My, uh, from based on just some of my research I've done, some of the people that we see now that are that are chronically homeless, yeah. they may have been victims of labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Because you're right, you're going to age out of that. You're going to age out and, and you're not as easy to control. Absolutely. When you're older. Exactly. So exactly. I, Once you develop that prefrontal cortex, right. <laughs> you know, you, you might not be of use anymore to yeah. them because they need you to, to, to literally, I'm glad you used the word slavery because oppression is real and it does exist. Yeah, I don't know if that was a good word to use or not. You I know, think it was but, a good word. But... Um, you know, it's obviously different than the slavery we had in our country. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but it's it's modern day slavery in yeah, many ways. It is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how are the police different in handling this now over 10 years ago? So for me, the biggest thing that I've seen is uh, recognizing that if they're under 18, it's commercial sexual exploitation of a child. Okay. And there are services for them that are in place versus that 16-year-old girl is a prostitute. Mm -hmm. 
um, there's more awareness around it because yeah. you know if you see a girl street walking and selling herself and you're gonna you know maybe look down on that person but now there's more awareness around that and people right. think now maybe she was sexually abused at home and ran away maybe she was LGBT there's just more awareness around it so I mm. think they've made it more safer for um, victims to now be survivors and get services right. that's the biggest thing and I don't really remember hearing the word human trafficking 20 years ago no no, I don't think it existed. You know, and sex trafficking and, and labor trafficking and things like that. So I think you guys having us on this show is incredible. Um, I'm glad that the federal government is doing more about it. And I'm glad, like Kayla's saying, that there's a lot of awareness on Facebook. People just being, having more situational awareness. Like Kayla said, when you go into a store, you know, just being observant instead of on your phone. Or if some if you if somebody's following you, don't be like, oh, that's nothing. Maybe you should check your space. Guys, yeah. what's happening with the end users now? Like these people that that are buying these kids for sex, thought, do they but, are they well, you know if, are if, the penalties harsher? If they're lucky enough to get caught, it's a minimum of ten years. The okay. the abusers the predator. are the, okay, the predators, yep. not the people who are buying. No, I'm the saying sexual... like you know, some old skanky guy. Those who are driving the force, who are paying for the yeah, yeah. Those sites. who are, you know, if you can get them, if if they are able to get caught, there's going to be huge, huge penalties for them. But they have a way of, you know, not really having ways to track them. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of so, them, so those are they the, never give their real name. Those so. are the ones involved with the human trafficking that are exploiting the the children directly, getting the children. Yep. To, because there's a whole hierarchy. But mm -hmm. what I think what Nancy's talking about is more the quote, the Johns. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the guys who are paying for the services. What happens to them? I mean, do they get a slap on guys the wrist or do they do they actually go to jail? And, you know, what, how severe yeah, what happened is to, like, the... to catch a predator? <laughs> <laughs> we kind of need that, right? Say that. Yeah. Because, because, I mean, they're, they're, if, that, if they weren't doing this, then there'd be no business. Right. I mean. 100%. Right. So you have so to attack it from the, yeah, many angles. Point. Excellent point. So is yeah. that part of the awareness too? It's like, hey, you know, you're going to dial into this. You're going to get caught and boom. There is. But the trend that I've noticed is they're trying to go to the root cause of it. So there right. are still there are still uh, penalties okay. for Johns. You're absolutely right. But just from what I've seen, just in the three years I've been, you know, involved with human trafficking, they're really trying to get to the root cause of it. Yeah, oh, makes sense. which I know what you mean. You're like the Johns because you're saying if there were no Johns, there wouldn't be people right. to right. support this one hundred and fifty dollar, one hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. Infrastructure. And yeah. I'm, this I'm guessing because I didn't research this, but I'm assuming they tried that and yeah. it was just like an, uh, an insurmountable obstacle. So maybe they're trying to. I would have to say that it's something that's not on the dark, like, you know, the dark web and people yeah. are using their, their what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not tech savvy. So they're, you know, using. Synonyms, aliases. aliases, aliases, and other ways to what's it called when you ping your location off and show, showing you from someone? Some like shady. Yeah. That's what it's called. So, shady. Like, We're going to call it shady. Different ways to you know divert it from yourself. It's yeah. impossible to track somebody if their IP address is being mm -hmm. all over the place and stuff yeah. like that. A VPN, yes. A VPN, <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, I would have never guessed. I would that. never have guessed that either. But that's is exactly that what you, you, is that the word that's exactly okay. what VPN, yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would assume that if they're – not all of them are tech savvy like that either. I'm not here to say yeah. that all of these Johns are, some, like, you know, super smart like that. Okay. But they have to be smart enough in some type of way to not get caught. But they're not always that smart to not get caught either. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the victims, when they do – if they do get rescued or they're able to get in a situation, okay, tells everything you know. Uh, his name's 
big Mike and he drives a black car. Mm-hmm. They really they don't know yeah. much. Right. They don't. No. They really don't. And that's one of the biggest things. They they none of them know their actual name. And that's obvious. Obviously, it's intentional, mm-hmm. but they go through really great depths to sort of throw people off. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. My name is Big Mike. I moved from Wisconsin when they're from Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. They just create a whole narrative so that they are not easily found. Are most of the which makes it really scary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are most of the um, victims or survivors that you've dealt with mm-hmm. are are they protective of the people that got them into this? Like, what's their mindset and their psyche mm-hmm. like? They're protective while they're under their pimp's care. Yes. Okay. Because the grooming mm-hmm. in the beginning. It turns more abusive because we know that, you know, intimate partner violence, domestic violence, it's about power and control. So, yeah, they are. I have seen that 100 percent. Like a Stockholm Stockholm syndrome, syndrome. a little bit of a Stockholm syndrome. And then it only flips when this person knows they're going to be safe. Okay. because some people don't have faith in the criminal justice system. And even though they are being sex trafficked, there might be a sense of security with there because maybe they don't have the support system and the upbringing that um, somebody has to really acknowledge that. So once they know that they're safe, that's what I've seen when they're they're finally willing to to give the information that needs to be given. Mm. Do the the people that are recruited into this lifestyle and then start recruiting other people like that seems like a common chain of events that happens Mm -hmm. if they just have had it one day or they see something horrific and they're like that that's it i'm calling it are do they get in trouble or are they supported like by by law enforcement they go to the police yeah absolutely absolutely because think about a person like that who can come now and provide information that can oh, potentially. True. So mm-hmm. the right. case earlier that right. I that I didn't give too many details on, I know that members of the Great New Bedford Human Trafficking Task Force were able to get to the top. Wow. To the top. Mm-hmm. That's great. That is great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that probably doesn't happen often. No. That was huge. So your regional task force, do you still uh, like communicate a, like nationally at a national level too. Oh yeah, yes. And yeah. So you always like at the the edge of like the best practices. Oh and yes. What really works? Yes. And we got trained uh, by you know um, homeless security. It was wow. we, you have to go through all that. And there are, again, there are members on um, the the task force from homeland security. A bunch of agencies that I can't think right now, but um, you name it: DCF, Homeland Security. Um, it's very multidisciplinary, but they report on a federal level too. So, Son, you've talked about the training and that you're a trainer. Mm-hmm. So give us some examples of some information, how you train groups of people. So like what is it that they kind of don't know that you're opening their eyes to? So mainly what we try to do, it, for, it all depends on the age, but let's say we're going to UMass tomorrow night mm-hmm. in real life. We're, we have a training tomorrow. So we're going to do a workshop for a sorority and any students who want to oh. go on healthy relationships. Nice. So we're going to gear that toward their age group. Right. We're going to give that toward statistics for their age group. We're going to give that toward, uh, you know, specifically, you know, being a victim of intimate partner so you violence. A, it. We do, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's great. Mm. All of them, every single training. We go, Kayla and I do go the extra mile to find out who the audience is, so we can adapt it to. Because, for instance, the training we do with seventh graders is very different from the trainings we do with eighth graders. Mm. Okay. So 
That's a really interesting comment. Mm-hmm. The training you do with seventh graders. Can we back up and talk about that? What, yeah. What's this training you do with seventh so, graders and who's inviting you in? The schools are. Mm. And they we we give them a lot of say. <laughs> so they don't want, you know, certain schools aren't comfortable with us talking about domestic violence. Sure. You know, and that's their prerogative. Mm. So for seventh graders, the trend is they like us to do sexual harassment for seventh graders yep. and healthy relationships for eighth graders. Okay. Nice. But Nan okay. Stein, Dr. Nan Stein, whose whose work I'm a huge fan of, she's really big on teaching kids in elementary school about boundaries and about things like that. Obviously you have to adapt the language, but um her her literature really focuses on you know working with children before they go through puberty, so we're excited that we got invited to a charter school to do a training on bullying. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know? that's great! So when that bullying, we we talk about bullying versus teasing versus joking, yeah, things like that. You know, one of our upcoming episodes is going to be on yeah. bullying with yeah. one of the school counselors, and we're also when we had talked with her, she said not only bull- bullying, what we've been teaching more of now is um, coping strategies with coping all strategies. the social media mm. that's out there because I was, she goes social media is huge i was circling way back to earlier already this is minutes ago um what to do about like specifically with your kids how can you monitor them mm. technology these days do you have right. if you're not monitoring your kids phones i don't care at what yeah. like you know like and i don't have any kids so <laughs> this is coming for me keep take it with a grain of salt but it needs to be monitored like especially if you have an, an eight-year-old cell phone what are they doing on the phone you don't know if they're, they have so much access to so many different things it's really bad i mean they can so easily get onto a site that they should not be on exactly and you know, there's so much out there that's just so detrimental to children it's it's crazy and if you're not monitoring it you know, it's so hard as a parent, though, because you want to, you know, you want to give them their uh, independence to an extent, right? Again, right. I said this is coming from me with no right. kids, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. You realize as an adult how much badness there right. is out there. Badness. I would say and it's coming from somebody who grew up in the generation yeah. who started to use technology more. You, you know, know what I mean? Me. Generation very, more. very little limited, um, limited, you know. Parental supervision. I was mm-hmm. left alone with a computer all the time. Like, Me too. Yeah. yeah. So she brings up a really important point, and that's um, you know, when we talk about you talked a little bit earlier about like the history of, you know, sex trafficking. It's yeah. been around for millennia, but based on research, it really spiked in the seventies. Okay. And uh, a documentary I watched was tying that back to the porn industry exploding. Yeah. Which okay. is interesting. It was a documentary on Frontline, um, by Frontline on okay. YouTube. But Kayla is really big about when we do our trains about the internet, the internet, mm-hmm. the internet. And it is true that especially post-pandemic, they've been using um, predators, abusers, pimps. They've been using the internet Massively. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. You know, it's like part of this, a big segment of this has to be Internet. It is. Mm-hmm. Even know, if coercion. they've never met a child, if they're getting right. that child to send them sexually explicit photos, yeah. that alone. I mean, is especially even with the gaming. Like, and imagine how like easy live. it is to catfish a child. Oh, my sure. God. Of right. course. Yeah. You're their best friend. Yep. It's, you know? it's so complicated now. I mean, just, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, you know, you get on your bike and you go out and you ride out and your parents like would say, yeah, it wasn't as, <laughs> not as long as when you were a kid, but uh, <laughs> Nancy is older than nice. me. I want everyone to know that. Nice. <laughs> I am. It's true. By six months. So it's really not that bad. But you remember, right? You'd get on your bike. Maybe it wasn't like this for you, yeah, but home, for us. Home when the lights You know, on. exactly. Mm-hmm. And we would, my brothers and I would go ride around. We'd go down Oak Grove Cemetery and all and look for Lizzie Borden's grave and yeah. all that Gosh. stuff that kids do. 
But it literally the rule was come back when the streetlights yep. come on. Mm-hmm. And exactly. when the streetlights came on, you would be like a mile and a half from home mm-hmm. and you'd like pedal well, like a madman to get home. It's sad that kids really can't do that stuff. They anymore. can't. There are no streetlights now because they're online and you know, it's like Kayla said, it's really easy to catfish a child. And, you know, you think, yeah. oh, if they're on Facebook, you know, oh, what do they look like? But like you mentioned earlier, they are making sure that the there's an, the recruiters look yeah. a certain way. Mm-hmm. They're very charming. They're very likable. Right. It's, it, it, there's well, always there's been more this... isolation to yeah. your point now. It's like, right. you know, we had like right. all the, the, the neighbors looking for you. Like they'd be, exactly. you know, true. Mrs. Griffin be calling my this, mom, Michael. You know, yeah. to you me know, as a, as a parent, none of that train. Right. it's kind of yeah. like, how do you find that balance between like you want your child to have a childhood, mm-hmm. but you want them to be safe. I know. And you need to talk to them about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when you do, there's a, they essentially, you're affecting their innocence and their childhood. It's right. very well, complicated. It is complicated. When do you start talking about this with kids? And it's Right before too, puberty. Before puberty. it's like, you know, get off the game, Johnny, and go out and play. Well, mm-hmm. maybe you don't live in a safe neighborhood. Exactly. So then what? Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And you can t- you can start early on with boundaries as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like we, the vocabulary, you have to pick and choose right, how you right, talk right. to them. But you can start teaching them red flags and boundaries yeah. from a certain age. If this doesn't seem right to you, that means maybe, you know, how to trust your instincts. And if you teach a child, you know, maybe they don't like being hugged by yeah. Uncle Timmy. Like, okay, so you don't have to hug Uncle Timmy. That's a boundary. You know right. what I mean? Things like Got that. It. Where a lot of us were raised. Like, to I remember you had to, you know, when it was Christmas or Thanksgiving, if your aunties came over, you had to hug them. Yeah, you right. had to, you know, we, she's right. It's just so much more complicated now than it was. It is. You know, we should it do really an is. episode on um, child safety over the internet. That'd be a nice one to do. Yeah. You know, because there's just so much that you have to guard for now. And I think a lot of parents are just so out of mm. their element with. And I can see how it's difficult to want to monitor your child's phone. Like that, and still have a line of trust because you know you also want to teach them that they are they have their right to their privacy. And you would have to imagine there's so many ways to buy like these people are tech savvy. There's they so are. many ways to bypass child locks mm-hmm. and yeah, everything else. Sure. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. they've made a living out of learning how to mm-hmm. bypass yeah. that. Yeah. One other thing I want to bring up, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my suspicion is that this crosses all socioeconomic boundaries. Although there may be more um, sexual exploitation that happens in certain communities, um, and you've mentioned some of that. I, I don't think anyone is really safe, right? Agreed. So if you're, you know, there may be people out here listening to say, well, you know, I come from a, you know, an upper class type of background. I live in a really ritzy type of community. I This still happens there, doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can um, find some information online. If you go to mass.gov, there's some links there that show um, um, a map of Massachusetts with okay. all the hotspots where they get the most calls at the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Really? And obviously there's a big red dot of a Boston, yeah. but it was all down New Bedford, South Coast, other areas yeah. too. So you're right. It's not like it was just Boston. And, and does it happen in rural areas too? It does, yeah. And it's, it's everywhere, oh, yeah. right? It's Absolutely. not just focused yeah. in, in big cities yep. and okay. It's interesting. So we all have to be aware. Yeah. yeah. In a rural area, you might have kids who are even more isolated exactly. than they are there's in a nobody. bigger city. Yeah. Sure. Right. So guys, when, we're closing this conversation. What is it that you really want to get out to our listeners? What type of messaging do you want to leave? Our I listeners think with? the biggest message for me is, you know, October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Wear the color purple to show your solidarity. As far as human trafficking, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, if you have even the slightest suspicion, and I've 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 spoken to the people, so they want you to call. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not bothering anybody, even if you're like, I'm not sure I saw something. 
you know, obviously, if you can have an address, that would be yeah. great. But you're not bothering them by providing that information. Yeah. So I would encourage people, if you see something, um, contact the number for sure. And let's we get that, that number, number again. Yeah, it's one 373 7888. That's great. And, you know, even if you have a suspicion, just suspicion. call and talk yeah. it out. If you see yeah. something, say something. There you go. Yeah, I like 100%. that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Guys, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank really you wonderful work you're doing. It's just so great to get the message out there. It's so important. And I, I know there's a lot of people who benefited from this. And uh, thank you. Thank we you. We really greatly appreciate, appreciate you being it. on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, well, this this is the conclusion of this show. We could talk for hours. I know. Already. I can't believe it's been an hour already. I, I know. It's I hard to happen. Before we just go ahead and close off, okay. we're going to do almost like a part two to this episode. We're going to have a survivor story mm -hmm. um, that will be airing um, after this after this airs. So that will be very interesting. That'll be too. fascinating. I can't wait yeah, for that. Yeah. And she's quite the survivor. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I want to thank you, Hassan and Kayla. Thank you. You were wonderful guests. You really provided a, a great amount of information for our viewers. And I want to thank, of course, Bay Coast Bank, which is just right for all your financial needs. Visit baycoast.bank or call 508-678-7641. Without Bay Coast, we wouldn't be able to do these types of podcasts. Yes. Yep. So thank you. Thanks. Thank all right. you. Have a great day, everyone. And, uh, you know, check us out on uh, your favorite podcast platform, YouTube. And uh, we're on Facebook also. Take care. Thank you.